A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Egg Chasers. See Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back for a second episode this week in the Rugby Dungeon uh, with me, I'm Tim, and with him, JB. Hello, Tim. Uh, I, I Basically, the reason for a second episode is because I just want to make sure you haven't forgotten about me, because Mark Atkinson did such a good job in my stead. Yeah. That, um, Don't yeah, forget I'm, about me today. I'm nervous about his uh, about my standing in, in the bad, podcast. He? He's he, great. He knows a few things about rugby, does Mark? He knows a bit about rugby. He's, got, he's a very affable, knowledgeable chap, and... Um, yeah. See, just some of the things that you and him share share in common. <laughs> yeah, and got similar haircuts now as well. Yes, yeah. What is with the luscious locks? They, they, they seem to have come out of nowhere. Um, well, basically, when the rugby season finished, when I did my last game for BT Sport, which was the semi-final, Northampton-Leicester, mm-hmm. um, I, I suddenly realised, I went, oh, I don't have to look presentable for several months so no. I thought I'm just not going to cut my hair or anything no and you started to look a little bit like an elven archer elven archer I'll yeah. take that yeah yeah. so curtains well, I've heard the 90s, el- el- 90s el- elven back. archer by the way wasn't the um, Australian winger from from, from the <laughs> 80s anyway yeah I've, I've heard the 90s are back in fashion so it was either, exactly it was either curtains or uh, a bucket hat but yeah no Mark Atkinson was brilliant and um, yeah nice one sausage uh, I'm still disappointed he changed his Twitter handle from Sausage Legs 10. Yeah, Sausage Legs was iconic. 
But it is it is what it is. So what are we going to talk about? Because, well, considering I had a two-hour podcast with Phil and Mark, we've not touched on the Rugby Championship. There's been an England squad announced. We've got one million emails. Worcester Warriors are in uh, administration. Have I missed anything? Uh, a preview of the weekend's games. Pre- we didn't even preview the weekend's games, yeah. yeah. And there are people that rely on us for their for their accumulators. I know this because oh. we got, we got genuinely got a message saying, "I've listened to your predictions before I place my bet." Pr- presumably to do the opposite of what we do. Yes. Do you know what this weekend cost me some money? Oh yeah, I gather this weekend cost me some money. Mm. My five pound bet on Harlequins at half time, two hundred pound. I, I should have cashed out. For the what record, Phil's explanation of that decision was absolutely spot on, by the way. I thought it was great. I, I, I'm really pleased with the way Ian Tempest officiated that. I don't have much of a problem with it, to be honest. But the fun definitely stopped. Oh, the fun stopped for you. Yeah, when the, the fun, fun stopped. The fun stopped. Stop. It hit the buffers <laughs> quick. Uh, okay, well, let's let, let's just rattle through some of those things you mentioned. Um, Worcester Warriors... They're where we are. There's one complication, one new bit of information that's comes to light today, this evening, Wednesday as we record this, and it's that Worcester Warriors players, mm-hmm. are their, their employment contracts are with a slightly different company than the one that's in administration. And consequently, in actual fact, the players cannot terminate their well, playing contracts. I don't know who's come to this conclusion. Well, because I, Yeah, this the, is just what I read earlier. Yeah, is it I mean, accurate? I don't, well, presumably it is accurate on the assumption that the players get paid. Now, if, the oh, if they don't get gonna, paid, the contract's broken anyway, null and voided. Yeah, exactly. So I don't see what they're doing. These guys are not going to play again this year, probably. Well, okay. Now, Worcester as a team, as an entity, will not play again this year, would be my suggestion. So these players, if they're not playing games for Worcester, probably won't get paid. Sounds to me like a pretty good outcome for the players if they're still getting paid and not playing. Yeah, fair point. Now, if they do not get paid and these, ter- these contracts are terminated... The contract is null and void. Who the hell is going to be able to create the salary cap room in order to take these guys on? Well, I mean, there are a couple of clubs in the Premiership with who are spending under the salary cap. And if I were Newcastle Falcons, let's say, if I were Dave Walder, mm. who's lacking a bit of squad depth, I would argue and there's a few injuries in certain positions. Um, I might be thinking, if I were Dave Walder, in a couple of months, there's a, a lot more clubs are going to have reshuffled their plans for next season to accommodate mm. Ted Hill or whatever. Yeah. Whereas now, you might be able to get a cut price budget, you might be able to get a much better value Ted Hill than... Um, Where would than Ted maybe, Hill go? Where would you place Ted Hill? Uh, Bath. That's exactly the one that I had. Exactly the one that I had. I think it'd be great at Bath. They, he, they need they need someone like Ted Hill. They need a Ted Hill. They just need a few more ball carriers, don't they? Uh, Atwood will not last forever, but he seem him and Dunn seems to be doing all of the hard work. Yeah. So a Ted Hill would be a great addition. Yeah, I completely agree uh, with that. Other Worcester players, I think potentially oh, a sale of apparently interested in Ollie Lawrence for Manu. That sounds like a great fit. Yeah, that sounds it, like a... Phenomenal fit. Equally, an Ollie Lawrence outside Max Ajomo and replacing Jonathan Joseph at Bath would be pretty tasty as well. Yes, it would. Two of the best jing centres on the planet. Uh, also, I'm thinking Exeter Chiefs, Ian Witten is coming towards the end. 
Oli Devoto they haven't seen in so long. Unfortunately, yeah. great player. Oli Devoto is meant to be fit and coming back. I hope, and I hope that's true. But Oli Lawrence, I think, would be a good fit at Exeter Chiefs as well. Yeah, I, mm, that's interesting. So, Whitten is a bigger lad, isn't he? he plays in in the middle. Uh, mind you, Oli Lawrence isn't a one-trick pony. He no. can play twelve. He can play thirteen. Yeah. But he's not like for like, is he? No. That, that said, it's weird at Exeter because they have a big twelve. Sorry, but yeah, they You're have about a big Hendrickson 12. now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, huge, <laughs> huge 12. And the diminutive Witten. Yeah, and uh, tiny, tiny Witten. Uh, but then outside they have the, the distributor, which is, of course, Slade. And sometimes so, they did shift Skinner to there when... Yeah. It strikes me that Slade moving to 12 and accommodating... I don't know, really. Yeah, there's, there's different know. options. Anyway, we'll see. Anyway, there are a couple of the headline <laughs> um, Worcester players, but you've got... The Scottish lads can go back to Scotland. They don't yeah. have a salary cap problem, do they? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it might be an overall budget problem, but you know, those guys can go back. And anyway, be fine. Wish, wish everybody the, the best. That's one thing. The England squad, no real surprises, particularly, was there? Um, the England squad? No, not really. Um, Danny Kerr omitted will be, that will sting still. Um, ben Youngs is in. I didn't realise this, but there's. There's larger World Cup squads this time. I think there might have a couple of extra spots. Oh, is that right? Might be 33, not 31. Yeah. So um, I guess Eddie Jones has been taking previously. He took previously just two scrum halves and two hookers. Yes, Was that's it? right. He did, didn't he? Yeah. And did he only take two or, props of each? Yeah, maybe he did take three hookers. I can't remember. No, so Singleton went. Oh yeah, so it must have been three. So Singleton would have LCD been Hartley and George. LCD. Oh yeah, of course it was. Yes, yeah. but what he did is he had two props. So he had yes. the two tight heads, Cole and Sinks, and then Marla and uh, yeah. Because if one of the tight heads went down, it was Marla's job to play tight head. That's right. <laughs> Excuse me, I've got an awful, awful chest cold. Yeah. Um, do you do you have a list of the squad there? Um, no, but that's easily done. Um, I do, as it happens. Oh, OK. So it's not really a case of who's in, but who's not available due to injury selection. Or, oh, sorry, due to injury. So Bar- Barbary's not available. Nick Dolly. Do, do you think Nick Dolly will get back in? Uh, it's such a competitive position, I would suggest not. I would suggest not, just on name value. But he does seem to have played rather well when he's been in the England shirt. So mm. maybe he's got some credit in the bank, I don't know. Don Brandt oh yeah obviously he'll be back in uh, Charlie Yules no he's done for the season isn't he George Ford's not back till December I <coughs> I don't think he will be back in I would have him back in but I don't think he will be Sam Jeffries is named as someone who's not av- available for the selection was he in a previous squad uh, in a training squad yeah he didn't go down under did he don't think so. No. Um, I assume this young man will have a space. Maro? Maro Itoji? Uh, he's no Christ Chinza, but... No, no, he's absolutely not. Um, Nick Azikwe, Courtney Laws, Sam Underhill and Anthony Watson. I don't see Anthony Watson making it back into the England squad. Yeah, but that's what people said about Johnny May. We'll see. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, of the people selected... I'm quite happy to see Guy Porter back. I thought he had a good tour, and I think he's a good player, and I think he's exactly, I, I don't want to say boring, because that's not what I mean, but he is the agricultural type player that you need to yeah. go forward. And on that, he's <coughs> selected Manu. Yeah. It's irresistible. It's the, it's, Manu is the ring in Lord of the Rings. Isn't he just? I would not play Manu until he gets to the final. There's just no point. Why? Why? 
If you get to the final, you, you, you're allowed to play him. If not, don't. <laughs> um, and Alex Mitchell is the other one, which I'm very excited to see. Yeah, I'm excited to see him. Uh, and we spoke at length about him uh, on yesterday's podcast, on yesterday's podcast, on Monday's po- uh, uh, podcast, because he's having uh, a great season. I can hardly talk. I'm so out of breath. What's going on? Is this too much, too much <coughs> oh, crossfit? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I've got some chest infection. It's horrendous. I have not been... Last, last couple of weeks, I've had some infection which made me put on three kilograms. I've had an eye infection, an ear infection, and now this. Dying. So I never get ill. Have you been not crossfitting then? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I've got some new grips for, oh, have for you? my birthday. What some, have you got? Some victory... Uh, Ooh, well, not, not the fingerless ones. The, the, the fingerless, lot, but really long victory Ooh, ones. Ooh, they're yeah. nice. Yeah, I'm thinking about grading mm. to uh, to something similar. They are very nice. Uh, right, where, where are we at? Um, uh, from the weekend, can I just say, I, I know you, you talked about it, so I won't go o- over the, the game too much, but I've, I went to two of the best I went to two of the best oh, grounds. Christ, yeah. Exeter Chiefs, oh my god, the, the noise when that final try went in was unreal. Do you know, Exeter, they're not selling out that ground, are they? No, I think there's so, 10,000 in at the weekend. Yeah, so the 16,000 capacity, um, 10,000 were there. They've had two home games, both of which have been monumental. Mm. It can only be a matter of time. I mean, well, the Leicester game was a monumental finish. It wasn't a monumental game. It was quite a bitty game, but yeah, it was a big finish. Yeah, but that game against Queens was insane. Though, when you walk away from that stadium after Patrick Schickling goes in, do you remember the 60 rubbish minutes or, or do you remember that yeah. one try? Yeah, I'll take your you point. You come out and thinking, that was bloody amazing. And then to beat Harlequins that way, I mean... There's only so long the people of Exeter can stay away from that kind of rugby. How 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 could you? Yeah. So I have got a feeling it'll be full before long. Maybe one of the European weeks. Yeah, you, yeah. I suppose we've got to remember the the context of the world we're living in at the minute, and it's uh, it's no small thing it, when luxuries have to go. So I, I don't. I, I, I think Exeter do it are doing everything they can, and what's great is that the hotel is finished and it's. Did you ever wander around it? And it's up and running. Um, where you have breakfast, I didn't stay there, but where you have breakfast and the restaurant is right up near the top with these panoramic views of the X Valley and it, it looks amazing. Oh. And Harlequin stayed there. So they, they they get the business of all the teams staying oh, there. Very, very good. Nice. So um, it Wasps, do you know they've got bedrooms that overlook the pitch? Yeah, I've, I've stayed in one of those. It's great. Oh, have you? Yeah. Do you watch a game? Uh, when I was working on the game, so but yeah, it was cool. I was going to say, if it's over COVID, would you have to close your windows and then watch it on the TV? <laughs> yeah, presumably. And if you and if in football you would have to not be <laughs> football's ridiculous. You're not allowed to be inside of a pitch with an alcoholic drink. That is ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it is ridiculous. Treat treat people like animals, and they'll act like animals. Yeah. Uh, just a summary of the weekend. Harry Knight emailed contactedchasers at gmail dot com. Uh, dear gentlemen, insert obligatory pleasantries here. Um, without having the exact stats to hand, as the ever-reliable Phil will clarify for us otherwise, 52 tries is surely a record weekend in the Premiership. It was actually 56 this weekend, which is the fourth highest weekend ever. Um, the sheer obtuse number of tries aside, the quality of rugby on show was utterly phenomenal. If you have had the privilege of watching all the games, 
I would like to know which was your favourite. It was generally a story of comebacks of epic proportions, but putting my Leicester Tigers bias aside, today's game, the pick of the bunch, referring to Exeter Harlequins. Mm. Also, do you guys believe this is a precedent for the future of Gallagher Premiership, or will it, unfortunately, be an an anomalous weekend come the end of the season? Uh, Well, I seem to remember a few of the opening few weekends being like this. So last year, I remember saying, God, this is a great opening weekend or opening couple of weekends. Year before that, the same. And also towards the end of the year, I think it's got more to do with the weather. Agreed. I, I do. I also found it fascinating what Mark Atkinson said in my hope that this might be more the trend rather than an anomaly in that um, teams are adjusted to defences with incredible line speed. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I completely, completely I agree I found that, that really interesting. Well, if you just look at the range of kicking... Mm. You know, you look at how Marcus Smith deals with line speed, lin speed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> speed I, de la ligne. Yeah, um, there's another email here. Yeah. Um, from Sean Kasky. Uh, thought uh, thought you boys would like to hear about our weekend. Uh, I realise we're not very, very close to Manchester, but it is, lo- uh, uh, it is local rugby. Oh, let's have a bit of local rugby. Yeah. Nice. Um, your boys, Tim. Um, Marlow under 16s <laughs> Marlo. unfortunately um, had to call off the game this weekend no and do, and do you know who, who they were playing Aylesbury your boys Newbury really yeah your boys Newbury versus your boys Marlow and Marlow couldn't put out a team no Marlow could unfortunately Newbury couldn't so um, oh. yeah obviously things aren't, things aren't going quite as you know quite as smoothly as they were when you were in charge I suppose you you still have family that live on the area you grew up and you go back to North Wales quite regularly I have this and I think it happens as you get older I have this kind of hankering to go back to, to Newby Rugby Club yeah yeah. I just I just kind of want to go back I don't know it's, I think it's just a bit of nostalgia <laughs> sorry can I just say at the end it goes everyone loves to love Marlowe uh, well I can certainly say Tim loves Marlowe so <laughs> Where did this come from? It's because I, I went there once. I'm just saying, you love Marlow. There's nothing wrong with it. You, you're allowed to support whichever team that you want him. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where the genesis of this is. It's like, I can't remember when you started the lines about how Tim thinks the moon landings were. Oh, <laughs> were yeah. Yeah, well. I remember that. I remember when you started going on about the moon landings. Very, <laughs> very peculiar. Uh, I've got another email here, uh, just relating to the Bath Wasps game uh, from Tom Wright. Oh, sorry, just so you know... Um, also, Marlow beat Reading Abbey this week. But, Mal, please continue. Uh, he says, uh, just a quick one. Tickets for Bath v Wasps on Friday night were £73 for an open-air seat, £45 to stand in the terrace. In the golden days of Wasps uh, in High Wycombe, I could turn up on the day and pay eight quid for a standing terrace ticket. I almost threw up in my hog roast and Abba Ale when the price went to £10 to stand. £73 for a ticket. I mean, it's kind of what you said Bath should do. Keep this wreck the same, just charge more. Yeah, well, sorry, did you say that is that was Bath? That was Bath. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, going to Bath is like the ultimate privilege. It's the ultimate privilege in the ultimate ground in one of the best, if not the best rugby town in the world. 73 yeah. quid. Just, is that that's seated, right? Yeah, mm. open air. So if it was hammering down oh. with rain, he's spending 73 quid. Well, you know, if it's hammering down with rain, you just got to remember you're very lucky to be there. Would you pay seventy? Cause would you pay 73 quid to go and watch Bath? No, I'd get in as press. <laughs> that's what you need to do. That was That's what all this is about. If you're w- one, worried about the prices of tickets, start a podcast and get un- and start badgering media managers. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Um, no, I think Bath's worth 
worth pretty much every penny. Uh, it is expensive, isn't it, to do these games when um, you don't, don't have a season ticket. If you're doing them each individually, the price will rack up. I would suggest look at getting getting a season ticket. I've noticed Simon Orange uh, responded on Twitter to some fans about the price of tickets. And then suddenly Sale had some really decent offers. But to be fair to Sale, they always have de- decent offers. I mean, they are always... They're one of the clubs that are, that are always looking to attract new fans. Uh, I think someone like Bath don't have the same issues as, as Sale. I mean, they are in a rugby town. There's, I think there's a football club in Bath, but I'm not sure how well supported that is. It's certainly not like Sale's situation where they've got United, City, um, you know, all, all of the other fo- football interests too. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think I think a bit more money for Bath is fine. Uh, would I pay, pay 72 quid? Well, if I was rich enough to live in Bath, I would, yeah, probably. I lived there. I, I, I had a house. I put, me and my brother bought our first house there. Yeah, first of and, many, uh, eh? First, yeah, I wish. And then um, I just, in hindsight, is twenty twenty, isn't it? I wish I'd not sold up and, I mean, I, I bought a place in Manchester instead. But, you, you always tell me how much it upset you to sell that place on the Crescent. <laughs> Mate, o- Oldfield Park, innit? Uh, I love the range of emails that we get. Uh, yeah. And this one from Otis um, just sent us a little menu of berry and rye, blues and jazz bar, uh, and whiskey and gin specialists. Wonderful. And um, there is a a classic Negroni in this establishment. It's only a fiver, which is nice. That is nice. Uh, a Negrose, which is lemon drizzle gin... Chamberizette, Lille Rose, Suze and Aperol, and then a Cafe Negroni Menta, mm. which has got uh, coffee vermouth. Anyway, just nice. Well, it's the, Negro- kind of person, the range of Negronis keep going. It's kind of pertinent to us because we are now the face of Charlton, Charlton drinking. Oh, yeah, uh, we need to update you on this. We're, we're branching out from rugby into being... I think we can probably class ourselves as drinks models, can't we? Yeah. So about a month ago, JB and I went out for a drink, many drinks. Yes. And quite a long way into the evening, a a photographer from this bar came up and said, can I take your photo? At which point we went, yeah, yeah, hold on though, let's do a really corny pose first. And we did one of those poses (laughs) where we were both holding up our Negronis and looking at each other and doing a fake laugh. Anyway... Turns out that, that that is now the photo of this establishment. Yeah, encouraging people to come for a midweek drink. Nailed it! Absolutely nailed it. We should really charge them royalties for that. I know. Signed mm. it away, unfortunately. Um, yeah. What what else do we need to cover off? What what did you say earlier? So you were at Exeter. What was the other game that you were at? Uh, Northampton Leicester. Awesome. How was that? Uh, loved it. Loved it. Um, yeah, great club, Northampton. I mean, uh, absolutely battered interesting point was made by our uh, our, our mates over <coughs> at, at mall over doggy there mm-hmm. saying and i kind of Im- i'm inclined to agree with this and when i heard it I, I thought yeah actually i'm 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 on board with that yellow cards for repeated scrum pens sack them off why because no 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 that what? is no because it's one of those things where if you get a penalty from a from a scrum, yeah, that's better than winning the scrum. No, yes, it is. No, it's not. The best thing you can get from a scrum is a try. A penalty try, maybe. Penalty no, push over try. No, no, hold on. If you were given talk H this this weekend or next weekend when you have a game, if you have a scrum, mm-hmm. 
in most positions on the pitch, if you had the choice between, you can have a choice now, you can either win a penalty from this scrum, yep, or you can just have the nine take the ball out the back of the scrum. Um, you take the pen. pen. You take the pen, you take the territory, kick to touch well, and have a okay, line out. So we're talking about something slightly different Or you'd here. have a kick at the, the post yeah. for three. So we're talking about something slightly different. It, it very much depends on your field position. But this is one of the most beautiful things in rugby, which is when you are in striking range and you're in pushover range, which is not quite where Leicester were, but they were close enough. It is absolutely your prerogative to go back to that scrum and scrimmage again. And if there are repeat offences, 100% give a yellow. And I made this point about the game, that there's two types of pressure. I'm going to have to catch my breath. Goodness me. <coughs> I feel terrible. Um, the, the, the first type of pressure was what Northampton were doing. It was just scoring points and trying to run away with it. And that's what they, that's what they had to do. Leicester Tigers were so disciplined in saying, right, we're going we're gonna to just squeeze them and squeeze them and squeeze them. I think, did Northampton end up with three yellow cards simultaneously? At least two. Yeah, they were down to 12. Yeah, because that was that was the game plan. And if you can't put up with the awesome scrummaging which Leicester bring, then I'm not sure you deserve to have all of your men on the field. And I'd also say this, like if you're going to go with some ridiculously good scrummagers, presumably the Venn diagram between awesome scrummagers and awesome lads around the field isn't, isn't exact. So, Leicester Tigers have made a decision to go with these guys. Now, I'm sure they are very good at what they do, as well as scrimmaging. But they've decided to go with these guys for that exact plan. I don't think we should just take a, take that away. In fact, to me... Because- I'm, not, I'm not suggesting you take it away. I'm actually saying, on, on the opposition's, close to the opposition's line, where a pushover try is a realistic possibility, Yeah, I am I am actually completely with you. But then, what, what that is putting that in the realm of is you're preventing a try-scoring opportunity. That's interesting. So, which yellow cards yeah. are already given for. Yeah, and I think actually, yeah, so if there's like a middle ground. If, if it was on halfway, for example, and and you had... If, if there were, say, four or five scrums penalties within the two 10-metre lines in, in repeatedly, mm. then... It just it kind of well. No, the advantage is you get to kick the ball to touch, yeah, take a line yeah. out thirty meters so, down, the, or take three points. If you are taking a scrum on the halfway and you win the penalty, and you're taking another scrum, I still think you should be rewarded with the yellow card if you take a third scrum. You know, on the, you know, the third case that there's a penalty. The reason I'd say that, okay, is because the the risk reward that you are taking. I agree. Theoretically, you'd always kick that into the corner because you're yeah. more more likely to score. But if you're so dominant at scrimmaging and you're so confident, take that risk because the risk you're running is someone slips, yeah. someone gets their bind wrong, someone yeah. gets their height wrong. We've seen, you see that before. Yeah, okay, you yeah, give away a penalty. I, I take you know, that you, point. You, like you've lost three. So if we're talking about repeated scrums on your own line and you're giving away pens, you're denying a try-scoring opportunity, I'm okay with the yeah. yellow card. But just because you have one scrum that is dominant. Also, one thing I remember, and you've talked about this before, and I can remember being in scrums that were getting absolutely pumped, and I can remember being in scrums that were doing the pumping. And yeah. quite often, you would the the scrum that was weak wouldn't fold and collapse; it would just go backwards. Yeah, we absolutely battered a team the other day scrummaging. I won't say which one it was, but it's only one of three that, that it could be. Um, and we hammered them, but they didn't concede, or if they did concede a penalty, it might have been one. But honestly, I can't remember last time we beat a scrum so badly. 
but because they didn't collapse, because they just went back in a, you know, in a square, organised manner, no penalty. And the end result was we were working, working our little socks off to try and win that penalty. Actually, they weren't working that hard, and it really caught, 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 caught up with us towards the end. If you can keep square defensively and go backwards in an organised manner, which is, you know, it's a lot easier said than done, yeah. then you deserve not to concede that penalty. There's no law about going backwards. There's laws about all sorts of other things, but going backwards is not a law. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. <coughs> Where are we at? Well, do you watch Australia? Because um, I was travelling around so much, I was... Um, what did I do? What was my weekend? I... I got up... Where did I go on Saturday? Yeah, I got up on Saturday morning to drive to Northampton... Then I drove to Bristol after the Northampton game, stayed in Bristol for the night, and then did the drive to oh. Exeter on the Sunday. And then on Sunday, I drove all the way from Exeter to Newcastle. Bloody... Oh. Which is why I couldn't do the podcast. Yes, you interviewed George... Oh, I'll say that. George McGuigan, yeah. How, how, uh, how was he? Yeah, he's a good lad. R- really nice guy. The, the, the feature will go out during the build-up on Friday night. Oh, cool. First time, first time that you met him? Yeah. What, gone? He is, he absolutely loves his rugby. Like, he's one of those guys, what I would have really liked is to have just been able to just sit down and have a good half an hour <coughs> cup of tea and a chat just to yeah. get to know him a little bit because it's, it's quite a strange thing. I think the media guy at Newcastle said it was, and George McGuigan, I think he's 28, 29 now. Is he really? Yeah, I think he's sort of in that ballpark. And, um, and he said it's one of the first bits of like, media he's ever done. Wow! So it's quite a strange wow. thing for a player to. It's quite a st- strange thing for a player to do to to come off the training field, walk into the, the the club, and there's cameras and lights already going. Right, let's go. Yeah, well, but but he was great. He was great. Was good yeah, guy. and it's different as well when BT Sport are asking. Yeah, uh, and also George McGregor is not. He's not an unknown, is he? No. He was previously at Leicester Tigers. He's England ha- training squad. Yeah, ha- has he not got an England cap? No. It's, it which bl- I did ask bl- him about. Do you know what I did ask him about, which I'm hoping makes the cut? Go on. I asked him about the, because I find this fascinating, the fact he's competing for a club and international jersey with his teammate, Jamie Blamire. Yes. And the fact that for Newcastle, he's the senior hooker and pit gets picked most, and Jamie Bl- Blamire's backing him up. But Jamie Blamire gets picked for England. Um, I, I won't... <clears throat> I won't Say anything in case spoilers. Spoiler. I won't spoil it in case it is actually part of the feature. All I will say is, um, they're really, really, really good mates. Well, they're they're off for now. Which I which I wish we'd known because I think the great feature would have been the two of them. Yeah, together. the two of them would, would have been great. But I didn't know that we didn't know that they were so close. So, I, I know that now. Yeah. So you're better at a lower standard, but you're better at a higher standard. Well, yeah. But he took it very well, and there's a there's a potential little scoop. But really? I don't potentially, potentially. Did uh, did did you see Big Carl Ferns? No, he's injured. Oh, what's wrong with him? Still, um, he's uh, he's got another little knee issue, I think. It, or something, that, something going on anyway. But he's not he's not he's not available right now. Is that your first time up in the Newcastle training grounds? You've been there before. Well, they train on the ground. Do they? They train at Kingston Park. I did not know that because it's a four G pitch. Did yeah. you get Did you get a chance to watch them? Uh, well, they were the Premiership Cup <coughs> team were doing the team run, and then so this was on Monday. And the Newcastle team were all they all they did on Monday. They obviously probably did gym work and stuff, but all they did on the pitch on Monday, and I watched a bit of it, was they did like a a walkthrough. And when I say walkthrough, I mean literally a walkthrough 
or yeah. they pick their moves for Bristol. They pick their what, how they're going to approach playing Bristol, and they just walked through it all. So I have obviously watched Sale Sharks train a lot, not so much recently, but I have certainly in the past. The only other team I've had all access to was Glasgow Warriors. So they invited me up to watch a training. I spent the whole day there. It was awesome. Um, basically, they just train like, for the most part, they train just like an amateur club. You know, an amateur club do- doing skills. I think they started off their day with a tennis ball, a tennis racket, and then the coach hitting a tennis ball at... I can't remember which way this game goes. Either the coach hits the, ten- the tennis ball towards them or-, or something like that. But actually, it's just a drill where the, where the players dive everywhere and try and... Ca- Try and ca- ca- catch a ball. In fact, it looks almost identical to a schoolboy game. But yeah, that, that's what they were doing all morning: was just developing skills and playing d- d- different sizes of balls. That's, that's and- part of the warm-up. George Furbank, Tommy <coughs> Freeman, and <clears throat> Fraser Dingwall, I think it was. They spent they, part of their warm-up at Northampton was just Sam Vesti with a tennis racket and a tennis ball. Just, yeah, that's just knocking one. balls at them, and they said to catch one-handed. That's what we do. Well, that's what we used to do at Didsbury. Mm. It's quite a nice little warm-up drill. That yeah, mm, interesting. Tommy Freeman's an impressive specimen as well. Just his his jaw, as much as anything. He's like a. He's amazing, isn't he? He's got like just a. It's almost like got. What's the superhero? He's got superhero um, jawline. Yeah, he, he is very impressive. very square. Well, jawline. All of those Northampton backs are quite dashing. They are. Well, you know, um, Furbank's fe- you know, very dashing. He looks like a first world first world war fighter pilot. Um, we were saying, if you can contrast Northampton to London Irish. Like, London Irish just have these absolutely electric back three. Whereas Northampton seem to specialise in developing very well-rounded, very skilled players. Slightly, slightly different, equally as exciting. Arundel is just a freak. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Kid is a freak. Whether, I wonder... So going back to the England training squad, you notice that um, the Leicester players re-signed some contracts today. Oh, I saw three of them, Stewart and a couple of... Yeah, yeah. so Stewart, um, Van Portfleet, and another who escapes me. But I wonder how Arundel and Stewart will interact in that back three, and which one you go for. Hmm. Do you put Arundel on the wing? Do you go with Stewart, full, Stewart with a full-back? Does Stewart lo- lose out for Arundel? Or do you keep Arundel on the bench, because he seems to do pretty well off the bench? I think Arundel's 23 shirt. <coughs> yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think, because I think def- international rugby is first and foremost to get those basics right. And that's why it's just Freddie Stewart's just different yeah. gravy, isn't he? He yeah, is. Like, w- w- def- be a defensive rock, win the ball in the air. That's what a lot of back three playing international rugby is. So, yeah. Don't get caught out and... But when everyone's tired, when gaps start appearing, Arundel, 20 minutes. Do you know who Arundel reminds me of, in terms of how he plays and the impact that he has on games, is a young Elliot Daly. I, I seem to remember Elliot Daly being able to score from absolutely anywhere, gassing people. From thir- in, from 13. But he started out at fullback, didn't he? And then fullback, the, wing, then 13. 13. Yeah. But I can see Arundel going to 13. I can see him playing at wing, see, see him playing, playing at fullback. Uh, it does, might not have the all-round skill game of Daly, but in terms of their running and in terms of just their danger from literally anywhere, yeah, very similar. Yeah, as it's qu- great quads as well, just awesome yeah. quads. A bit shorter than daily, maybe. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's exciting times when you actually. I, I'm not an advocate of getting the kids in, but when you, yeah, the good, the, the good kids, the good kids. But just when you actually start to go, 
Look, England have got Arundel and Marcus Smith in a back line. It's just, yeah. Yeah, Van Portfleet played very, very well. Uh, they've also got access to the whole of the London Irish Academy and the lads that have left the London Irish Academy. So, yeah, they'll do all right. They'll do absolutely... Oh, the phrase Dingwall in the, in the squad is quite, is quite interesting. Now, whether he'll play or not, I don't know. I don't know what role he would have for England. I think... If you were going to take it, right, so do you remember in the England World Cup winning 2003 squad, Stuart Abbott, Abbott yeah. was, was the guy who was fairly robust and could play 12 and 13. And I think Dingwall might, maybe if you had to map current players onto a 2003 squad, you'd say if <coughs> Dingwall were to go to a World Cup, it's because he is the, <coughs> he fills the Stuart Abbott role. He can kind of do a good job at 12 and at 13. That reminds me of Porter though. Yeah, no, I agree. Porter I don't think I don't that. think you would take Dingwall and Porter to a World Cup. I tell you one which I do not agree with one bit is Eddie Jones slamming um, Marchant. Basically, he had a poor tour. Yeah, this is along the lines of he's he's had a poor tour and he's got things to work on on his game. And I'm thinking this is one of the this is one of the most talented pa- players that you've got access to. You just take him. Well, I still trust Eddie because I, I look at. I look at the way Billy Vanapola's playing and I look at what he was saying to Billy Vanapola a year ago. I don't think a thing that comes out of Eddie Jones's mouth is true. <laughs> That's odd, though. I wouldn't say that of, my, of no, Joe No, I would Marchand. either. He's Did like, he really say that? Yeah, yeah. I, I will try and get the quote up for you. But, yeah, something along those lines. I don't lines. think he would have slammed him. I think that's very tabloid way slammed. of describing Should him. Should I try and find... Hang on. Eddie Jones slams Joe Marchant. Actually, what he said is... Yeah, he's just having a bit of a rest on this one. He's got some stuff to work on. I actually think more's the point. Is Joe Marchant is absolute cast iron guarantee to be in a World Cup squad because of his versatility and how well, good he is. Well, I would have thought that. So um, recall him. He, he, this is only this training squad thing is only two, basically two days of training, and and in that a load of them have played rugby. So it's probably two sessions of training is all they've got together. So uh, I, I actually think it's more likely to be that. Now I know what Joe's. I know what Joe's going to do. Well, let me have a look at some of the other lads. See if I find the quote. But yeah, that's. Um... Let's, no. let's hear Eddie slamming Joe Martin. Slam! Come on. Absolutely smashed him to bits. Crushed him is how I'd describe it. No, there's no quote on this one. Never mind. Uh, it, it definitely happened, and it's probably worse than uh, <laughs> probably worse than w- worse than the quote that I made out. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure. If, well, j- just to go back to the point, I'm not sure if Martin is making it, and also I'm not sure that anything that comes out of Eddie Jones's mouth is true. Oh, he's making it. Uh, I think it is there to manipulate or motivate or do something, but I don't think what he says is what he means for the most part. Uh, yeah, well, I'd have to see what he what he did say, but um, Joe Marchant is going to the Rugby World Cup. There is there's like there's no way he's not if he's fit, he's going. Uh, Stuart Lancaster's gone to Racing. Yeah, that's good on Big Stu. Amazing, isn't he's it? He's done an incredible job at Leinster. Isn't it amazing? The Leinster you... players regard it as I, I know Leo Cullen's sort of the overarching looking after the ship, but that's that is Stuart Lancaster's team. I mean, they play, they play Stuart Lancaster's game. Yeah. I mean... The players would say that. Uh, the players would say a lot of things because they're an amazing set of players. I mean, it's easy, isn't it, when you're an amazing set of players and they are probably second or third m- most talented squad in all of Europe. They've basically got the whole island team. 
I think they could have most coaches there and do pretty well, to, to, to be fair. Um, I'm sure he's done a great job. In fact, that's all they need, isn't it? They just need someone competent to run a structured programme for them. That's all that they need, really. So, yeah, I think it'll work well. I think he'll do fine at Racing, too. In fact, actually, maybe, maybe that is the perfect role for someone like Stuart Lancaster. Now, a competent coach who isn't trying to make it all about him, but just goes there, put, puts down the cones, gives the players something to do, and when you've got players that excellent, then off they well, go. Oh, that's, that's, the, that's the parallel you draw between Leinster and Racing is immensely talented players in both squads yeah. so you can just let the boys play yeah yeah I guess yeah I guess it's like just fiddling around with a supercar yeah it's, yeah it's a good job very good job um, it, here's something which I've just spotted which now I'm very much against generally speaking <laughs> Law variations, law trials, constantly tinkering and changing with the law. Rob, Ugh, ba- Rob more is there. Rob Baxter made a great had a great interview about this. He said rugby has never just let anything He's sit right. for any length of time. He's right, constantly tinkering. And he also point, points out quite frequently that you know every law change that you make, they're just going to game it. You know, it's complex games. So we, I completely agree with uh, Rob Baxter, which is leave it, just leave it. I will say there's some potential in some of these that's happening Go in on in one in a, a certain series of domestic games in Australia. This Queensland Cup isn't ridiculous. Yeah, so basically trying to maximise the well minimise the amount of wasted time <clears throat> okay. with, with the clock ticking down. So, um, thirty seconds scrum, uh, scrum call from when the mark is set. Um, penalty kicks, you, um, a strict 60 seconds, 90 seconds for a conversion. Line-outs, 30 seconds from when the mark is set maximum, and it will be um, a, a tap, a, a sort of a, like a free kick option if you fail. Who fails? And you cannot take a scrum <clears throat> if, if, you, if one of those is infringed upon. So you, you, so you, you aren't ready to take your scrum quick enough then it'll be a free kick to the other team and you can't opt, opt for a scrum. In what have you got an injured player? How do you mean? What have you got an, in, well, you got an injured you'd player? You'd say, so we've got an injured player, can we have time off? Right, OK, well, I'm doing that. OK. Um, and then, um, this is where it's... I'd... Well, so firstly, there's one that we've been talking about for ages. Yeah. For ye- literally years um, that is actually happening there in this law trial, which is only line-outs where the opposition contest the throw can be adjudicated as not straight. Yeah, perfect. So weirdly, I was playing this weekend, and that's exactly what happened. So the other team went crazy with, because our line wasn't quite straight. The referee said, look, if you don't contest it, I'm not going to call it. And I thought, brilliant. Great. Brilliant. And, you know, we said, eliminate the knock-on. To a large extent, the, no- the knock-on is gone now. The only time you see a knock-on is kind of if it's in the interest of the other team, normally they just pick it up and play, yeah. which is exactly what we want, exactly yeah. what we want. So that's that's kind of a law change we don't even need to implement now. It's sort of just done itself. And the other one, yeah, these things seem to sort themselves out for whatever reason it is. Uh, this one said, only players within <coughs> the line-out formation <coughs> can be part of a, a mall no. formed at a line-out. No. That seems like it's really hard to officiate. Yeah, why bother with that one? Yeah. Silly. I'm not sure about that. And this, and this, this one also sounds a little bit odd and again it just sounds like the sort of thing where you can imagine commentators trying to explain this to people at home and a scrum collapse the first collapse you just reset regardless of what happens okay the second collapse if there's no clear sanction 
a free kick to the feeding team. Okay. And <clears throat> the defending scrum half cannot go behind beyond the midline of the scrum, which is like they do in kids' rugby. Why do we care about that? I know, it just feels all a bit compli- complicated. No, I don't see any point in that one. Um, oh, hold on. Um, deliberate knockdown. Deliberate knockdown. So if it's yep, uh, okay. Yellow. So up is okay. Down is not. Isn't that what we already have? Advantage law. Three phases and then advantage over. Yeah, it is getting a bit silly. The advantage law. Yeah, I'm. I'm up. I'm up. Yeah, I'm up. For, I can see that one. I can see that one. And to be refereed as either a deliberate attempt to catch or a deliberate attempt to knock down will result in a penalty kick only. A deliberate attempt to catch or a deliberate attempt to knock down. Oh right. So you oh so sorry. For for a for a deliberate knockdown. Yep. It has to be refereed <clears throat> and the decision is either the referee will say, No, that was a deliberate attempt to catch or, or that was a deliberate attempt to knock the ball down. Yeah, I like the standard the we other. already have now. Which is it, well, I do and I don't. So when they say it wasn't realistic, I kind of think, well, these are professional rugby players. They should know if it's a realistic op- opportunity to catch. It's literally their it's literally their job. But on the other hand, there are times where a player goes to catch the ball and it's just not on, and all that happens is he knocks the ball forward. That is a deliberate attempt to catch, but it also is a deliberate interference in play. An in- I like the standard we've got. An interesting one on officiating. Like I say, I thought Ian Tempest got the... <laughs> That decision at the end of the Exeter Harlequins game, correct, mm-hmm. uh, in that he couldn't conclusively overturn the on-field decision. Uh, also, I would point out Harlequins fans uh, conveniently um, forgot that Caden Murley's first try for Quinns was... Caden Murley, what a player. Was, oh yeah, what clear. a player. That was as forward as um, the past shickling was. Why is Caden and Murley not there. in the England team? Because Jack Noll is. I'd go with Caden Murley. Either or. Um... And again, listen to Mark Atkinson's thoughts on the on the pair of them for for more on that one on the other podcast. What was I going to say? Oh yeah, um, I heard, heard someone say an interesting officiating point. This is like one of those nausy. Ooh, yes, you are, you're a referee, <clears throat> and what do you do? Uh, Joe Marchant's try, awesome try. Yep, and got me points on fancy rugby draft. More importantly, more importantly, but great try. But someone pointed out that Joe Marchant knocked the ball in field. Knowing that he had to get then get his feet back in the field of play before he could catch the ball and put it down, yeah, awesome awareness and awesome skill. But someone did point out that, like, well, that is he got an advantage from knocking it on, even though he regathered it. So that arguably should have been counted as a knock. I don't think it's a knock on unless you drop it or oh yeah, unless you because get an so, advantage from it uh, because unless you get an advantage from it because a hypothetical situation. <laughs> Is if you're sort of juggling the ball with with your hand to try and regather it, if you accidentally in the process of doing that, if you tap it over a defender. So do you know why this and came then catch about? It? No, Lawrence Delalio against Italy. Oh, did he just? He just sort of bobbles it about and he throws it over the Italian's head and catches it and carries on. Ah, like, yeah, we can't have that really. We can't have that. So that's that's the that's the principle of it. If you gain a material advantage from. A knock on, even if the ball doesn't touch the ground, and you eventually regather it. Which someone someone has said, well, is that not kind of what Joe Marchant did? 
Yeah, I think actually there's an, ar- there's an argument for that. No, I do agree with that. When you look at it, and you think uh, that's what that's what's written. I wouldn't do it, but that is what you know. As Mark Atkinson said, "Sorry, Dad, it's just what we do." <laughs> that was my favourite bit of the podcast. Actually, yeah, it's just, just it is what it is. All right, just a, a professional, an actual England <laughs> international saying to his dad, "Yeah, mate, that's just how rugby is." Yeah, yeah. Did you see um, my Twitter thread? This weekend regarding the club games. Yes, and I, it's, it, it, what's cool to see on that is that uh, the, the brilliant John Newcomb um, of Rugby Paper, Rugby Times, and also does some work for BT Sport as well. Uh, John Newcomb, uh, he is going to do more investigation of this, crunch the numbers, and I think you'll probably end up seeing a Rugby Paper article yeah. based on what you're talking about, which is that lower league teams in fact this is happening with many lower league first teams but certainly lower league second third and fourth teams if they have them there are whole leagues where all fixtures on Saturday cannot be fulfilled and there are walkover victories for one side or another well it was just shocking I mean this is a this was a whole league which just did not play now I'm trying to remember which one the league was but um, as soon as I I thought yeah there's I mean it does feel to me like the standard is lowering, and you know the fact that I'm still playing at 38 probably probably suggests that, does it not? Maybe. Um, there's an, a lot more called off games low, low, lower down, but I just got sent a screenshot of uh, a league down south, which is you know, populated by third and second teams. But you know, for a lot of clubs, that is the lifeblood of their club. If you don't have a second team, you don't have a first team. So I've I've always said that. And then you got all these armies of people that used to play. Like when we were at Broughton Park, we had third team, fourth team, and a fifth team every single week. Mm. You know, Preston had um, ones, and, and, two, threes, fours, and, and casuals. And I'm currently keep getting <clears throat> peppered with messages for please, if you can, just get your boots on and come and play at Broughton Park. We're, they're struggling to get three teams out. And like yeah. you say, it wasn't so long ago. Five was comfortable. Five, yeah, five easy. You know, so yeah, it's um, it's a bit, bit, bit of a worry. Bit of a worry. Although I would also add this, and this is a little bit controversial. Okay, after I've said, yeah, everyone go and play for your third team, uh, third team and fourth team. Sometimes I do think that third teams sort of they there's nothing wrong with having a social team, but I often think like, what is the point in having a club within a club? Why don't you just have a different club which plays at the appropriate level that you want to play at, rather than have the third, fourth, and fifth team of Broughton Park? That's interesting. So that could is that the solution? Few, uh, yeah, because I was thinking, does this mean that some clubs aren't needed? But actually, probably what it does mean is, if you have a third team, you should probably be populating another nearby club. Yeah, so like, you definitely need a second team. So second teams are absolutely vital. So you've got your first team, you've got your second team every week. Now, if, if you've got a third team because you've just got this massive squad and they've got to play, yeah, okay, fine. But then what I tend to find is there's also situations where you get thirds and fourths who, as a regular trainer, you never see these guys. You don't know who they are. They're not your mates. Um, you know, you, you, you might bump into them on a Saturday and you might become friendly that way. That, that's the kind of level I would say that, because you're saying second team's important for the first team, but that is assuming that everyone wants to commit to... Wants to commit, and actually, I think the, a lot of the people that turn up for third teams are the guys that go, 
I have no time to give outside of the eighty minutes. Yeah, yeah, and also maybe you've done, maybe you've, maybe you've done your time, haven't you, for the first yeah. and the twos, and you know you just you show just want, up every you just other keep, week. You just want to keep playing, and and that's all the time you can commit. Yeah, that's fair, and I guess yeah, actually that is a good point. And to go to a different club or set up a different club, but. Yeah, there's a lot of things involved with that. You know, you need a new committee, you need a new treasurer, you need a new clubhouse. Oh, you, no, I, th- I think, know. if anything, that this is indicating that there are there are more clubs than are necessary at the moment because there's fewer people involved. I heard a story the other day, and I can't tell you which county it is. And I don't know how I'm going to tell this story without, without giving it away. Ooh, but there is effectively a ghost club in... Um, in England. What? Uh, yeah. So I'm not. They don't have a pitch because they've always played on like a school pitch, school change, change, uh, change rooms, so on and so forth. I think their clubhouse was a pub. They've still got a full a full committee, but they've got no players. And the reason they exist, I, I, know, I can't read. Really, can yeah, the reason that they exist is. Um, uh, basically, for administration re- administration regions to keep certain administrative regions of the RFU going, so they don't merge, and that's literally their job. Isn't that amazing to keep certain regions? Yeah, so you got to have a certain amount of clubs in each region, or that region would merge, what? and then you know you'd lose like you know funding or influence or a council seat or something. So they keep the this club and they, it sort of just car- carries on. They've got no got no players, but they've got like no fixtures, no players. Presidents. Wow, kind of club that I'd want actually. I might start my own club. Do they get um? Do they get offered to apply for tickets for internationals at Twickenham? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But I kind of like the cut of their jib. I might I might get their I might get their top. I might get some uh, might make some stash. <laughs> And if they don't have any stash, they'll, they'll have a constitution with a club kit. You'd you'd have thought so, yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be that, that'd be that'd be a cool kit to have. That'd be. I mean, how rare is that? What what kit is that? Oh, who are they? Oh, no. uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, you, 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 you can't you find be this anywhere. These guys. <laughs> what are they called? Oh, I'll get the name of them. You can't, them. You can't say though. Yeah, no, I've, no, I, I won't. But as soon as I remember, I'll send you off air. Oh, interesting and. If you want a little project, go trawling up and down. Oh, no, they're not on any league table. No, because they don't play. Wow. Is but there, a, is there a, a list of rugby union-affiliated clubs? There must be somewhere. Yeah. There must be. I, I haven't got the time or inclination to work out who it is. Someone will. Yes. Someone will find them. Someone will. Um, right, should we preview the weekend's games? Is there anything else? Yeah, let's do that. Let's get into it. All right, so Friday night, uh, I will be at Kingston Park. Oh, you're getting a lot of work. Is, is, has someone died? Is someone someone ill? It's just this couple of weekends. It'll, right. it'll go dry again. It'll go dry again. Um, well, I think potentially, uh, if you think I've I've had work at opposite ends of the country, I see. Yeah, and and the train has, the trains are absolutely bobbins as yeah. well. Has boots will travel. Well, there used to be a plane from Manchester to Exeter. Not anymore. Is it? Uh, no, it's not. It goes to. New, there's one to Newquay, but that's no good to you, is it? No. No, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, I love going to Stanley Park, so I was quite happy to, well, it's, to it, drive down. It's finally, it, it's, it's finally good that BT Sport have realised where their main talent is. <laughs> um, yes, so <clears throat> Newcastle are struggling. Yeah, I think... I hate to say it, but I think Bristol are going to smash them. 
gives me no gives me no joy to say that. Well, Newcastle. What's quite interesting when you look at how they've got on so far in the three games is. <laughs> I mean, the, the game against Worcester was a, a different kettle of fish, but in the other two games, one of which was, who did they play, Leicester and Quinns? Yeah, so the Leicester game was good. No, sorry, the Quinns game it was that they had a, a they, good showing. They hang in there for like 60 minutes and then they just get pumped in the last 20, which says to me they don't have the depth of squad. That just... It tells me, other yeah. It tells me it's probably, they're probably a fairly good team, but they're about 10% off. And as we said uh, with Mark... Like the top seven, there's maybe five percent between them. Mm. So you know that would account for why they do okay. It's not like they're going out there and embarrassing themselves. They're not London Welsh. Far from it. They're a good team, but you know you don't need to be off by much to start losing heavily well, in the Premiership. Whatever percentage they are off <clears throat> is probably the percentage less that they're spending on salary. <clears throat> yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, maybe even more. They might even be overachieving. What would you say their salary cap spend is then? Well, if the salary cap spend is five million, is it? Yeah, about that. I, I wouldn't mind bet. I, I don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me if we found out that Newcastle are spending four. Let's say they're twenty percent under. Yeah, and then the top seven are all spending up to it. I would say. Yeah. Probably everyone beneath that. Maybe wasps aren't. Maybe Worcester weren't. But then that, they're that, not, that they're could be that could be four international players. Mm. Or f- four or five exceptional players. Six, it could be half of a very good team. Well, I think it just shows, I mean, you've, you've got you've got the very best teams in the country putting 40 points on each other in the same game. So if you're up to snuff and they're doing that to each other, you're going to be in for a long, painful season. And that's the thing with the Premiership. If you're slightly off now, you're going to get absolutely panned. Absolutely panned. Yeah. And sometimes the, well, the match-ups and styles is really, really interesting now. Like, again, <clears throat> Northampton will go and... Well, they they beat London Irish, yeah, fairly comfortably, and then got absolutely pummeled in the tight game by Leicester. So it's the styles and the matchups are, are really interesting. Um, so we have got Friday Newcastle Bristol. Uh, we're going away win, a heavy away win, I'd say. Mm, I think it will be an away win, but by, by what eight or nine points. I, I, I think Bristol will. My guess is Bristol might change a few things up. Although, of course, now everyone's looking at where was Worcester in their fixture list because you get an extra bye week. Oh, yeah. Well, they not just reorganise everything to try and get as many games as possible. It depends what plans of people have in place. And that, that would make sense. But is that not a bit of a logistical nightmare if you've announced fixtures and then you have to re-juggle them all? I guess you could do it for the second half of the season. I think teams might not mind having a second bye <coughs> week. Oh, it's a, it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of a mess. Anyway, well, no, hang on. Is it a second bye week? Yeah. Well, yeah, Gloucester. So Gloucester, effectively, have got a second bye week now. And who else? Gloucester Gloucester have played two games, right? Because they had a bye week last week. No, no, no. Did Gloucester have a bye week in round... Yeah, round two, Gloucester had a bye week, I believe. Yes. And now they've played round one. Yep. Rested round two. They played round three. And now they're resting round four. Yeah, you're right. Because they would, but we're going to be in a situation, aren't we, in rugby where there should be two teams resting some weekends? Because you'll have the team on their natural bye week and the Worcester, the Worcester bye week too. Uh, correct. 
But Brilliant. then what if that fixture's already happened or is scheduled another time? It's, yeah, it's an it's a r- absolute mess. I mean, it's just a mess having 13 teams in the league anyway. Yeah, well, at least we don't have to worry about that. Well, yeah, going for Well, we don't have to worry about it. But anyway, um, we've got London Irish West v London Irish... Oh, yeah, so Gloucester Worcester not happening. We've got London Irish West v London Irish East. Big London Irish win. London Irish win. Uh, we've got Sale versus Exeter. This Tasty. Yes. Meaty yes. game. Contact everywhere. Oh, physicality all over the shop. Um, Sale will win this. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with you. Sale at home. Do you know what? I don't even have a game this weekend. I might go and watch it. I would go and... I, I, I might go and watch that. Are you not jet setting all over the country? No, I'm just I know I'm coming back from Newcastle on Saturday. There I mean, you go. I could get back for that three. And then games. and then and then some some Negronis and get papped. Oh, again. hello, get papped again. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go home win as well. Uh, Saracens v Leicester, another meaty encounter. I think s- this is the live game on BT Sport. This is all a the very... more reason to see Sale Exeter because uh, Saracens Leicester's live on BT, so you can record that and uh, exactly come back and watch it after. I feel that this is going to be a fascinating game of chess. The two coaching setups that know exactly what they're doing, and also one coaching setup that knows everything about the other coaching setup. So there's nothing that Borthwick will not know about Saracens. Maybe Saracens don't know everything about Leicester. All, thing, all things being equal, I would say Saracens being at home, and <clears throat> you think back to the final in June, um, Leicester personnel wise are have dipped a, a, a small but. Only two people, but that, that are significant two people in Ellis Genge and George Ford, whereas Saracens are exactly yeah. the same. I will go Saracens edging that one. Why do you think that the conditioning staff at Leicester Tigers might dislike Richard Wigglesworth? The conditioning staff at Tigers... Yes. ...might... Dislike Richard Wigglesworth. Uh. I wouldn't even hazard a guess because Richard was Wigglesworth's a player coach now, so he is a player coach. You're getting closer. He doesn't think he needs to do fitness. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. Really? He has. He, he gets. He doesn't have to get someone, but they come in early so he can do his fitness before he starts his job as a coach to coach the uh... team. So they've always got to send a conditioner just to make sure. Wiggy's got his fitness topped up at 4.30 in the morning or something ridiculous. You're on the Wiggy show. In fact, I, I, I suspect <laughs> they play drinking games on the weekend, the Leicester conditioning staff. And the prize is you've got to work with Wiggy for the rest of the uh, rest of the year or rest of the week. They've got some great characters in that squad, haven't they? The, yeah. The Wiggy shift. Uh, what would you go with, Saracens or Leicester? What are you um, I think I'm going to go with Leicester. Okay. I'm also going to Saracens, but I've changed my mind. Leicester. Uh, Sunday is Quinn's Northampton. And one million points each. Yeah, and we took. Yeah, I was going to say we talk about matchups and styles. Um, Quinn's were without Joe Marler at the weekend. I think that would have made a difference for them at Exeter because the scrum and line out creaked. Um, do you know Harlequins in the first two games had a total one hundred percent twenty four out of twenty four line out, and, oh. and then it went completely to pot against Exeter. So they'll they'll be focusing on set piece in their setup. I think Quinns will bounce back and win, um, and I think because these two teams are one one lost two. One of them is going to be in a position where they've lost three out of the first four games, and I, 
I think that's going to be Northampton. Hmm. Do you want to talk about URC for a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction yeah, yeah, sure. of, of, of a second? So, um, as I understand it, I'm just going to make sure I've got this absolutely right. Are you all seeing their second week or third week now? I think they're on round three now. Yeah, so um, Munster have started with two opening losses, which um, I'm disappointed with. I'm really disappointed with, mm. because they are coached by one of my favourite coaches. So that is a shame. Um, Dragons actually won, which is incredible. Um, finally, they won. And uh, did did Zebra beat someone on Saturday? I know they pun- pushed a weak Leinster team. Well, weak. There's no such thing as a weak Leinster team, but they pushed Leinster close. <clears throat> Let me just I find out. Don't know if they lost. But uh, Friday night's game in the URC is Ulster v Leinster, which, if they put out good teams, could be worth watching. Yeah, that I. I mean, I have not. Yeah, Dragons beat Munster. Sorry, that's what that's what I was thinking of. Which yeah. is, well, I mean, that, that look. There's a lot of things going on in the world, but you know, Nord, Nord Stream Two's broke, um, blip blown up financial crisis but nothing is more unexpected than Dragons beating Munster <laughs> nothing uh, what other games are uh, l- um, looking out for well that's it because the um, the yeah. championship is uh, the rugby championship is over uh, it's just pure domestic rugby now until November which I'm all for mm. so there we go that's the weekend uh, any other business I, um, I, I need to commit to a TV show because I haven't filled the Ozark and then Better Call Saul void in my life well you want to talk about voids right so on tuesday i finished my the last of my exams so i decided uh i was just going to do three financial financial pl- planning exams all of which allegedly require 150 hours w- worth of study and i tried to cram it in all in well four five weeks that's just w- what I've, what i've been doing and now it's come to an end i feel empty and Lonely. I actually miss it. When do you know how you got on? Six weeks time. But uh, yeah, I, like I, literally every waking second, outside of CrossFit and podcasting, podcasting and rugby, so about an hour a day, um, was dedicated to study. And now I've got absolutely nothing to do. Absolutely nothing to do. It feels Liberated. Weird. Well, actually, that's not true. I've actually got to see clients and do financial planning work now. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. But I need something. I need something else. I, today, I was thinking, right. I'm going to come home, what should I do? And I thought, do you know what, I'm going to start up jiu-jitsu again. And then I remembered that I had this. But yeah, that, that, that's what I might do with my time, rather than, um, rather than get, get, get into boxing. Yeah, well, I might start jiu-jitsu again. If I... One of the banes of my life is I spend... Four days a week, I spend about five or six hours on a train. Mm. Which, um, yeah, I think how much I could get done if I wasn't doing that. Well, if I had... Your profile, and I was on a train for that amount of time. I think I'd be sending off. Art- I, I'd be doing an article a week. Make that train ride pay, pay, pay its way. I do. I, I do plenty of work, and in fact, I, I, I mentioned to you, I've been uh, very exciting. I've been doing some writing, which I think might come to some fruition. So we'll see. Let's Excellent. See. Uh, right. Yeah, they're the fixtures. That's what's going on. Contact eggchasers at gmail dot com is the email. Um, enjoy the weekend's rugby. We'll be back. I think we're all back as normal. Are we, the three of us? Together? I hope so. That is certainly the intention. Yeah, I don't think... Hope don't we have a, <laughs> sound as bad, bad as this. Oh, my, my uh, <coughs> Broughton Park, after on Sunday, my Broughton Park under-15s will um, have taken on Phil's Sedgley Park. Ooh. 
Yeah. So interesting. Now, Sedgy Park lost to someone this weekend. I think it was the women losing to a team up in Yorkshire. And I can't remember what they're called, which is quite annoying. Oh, um, in the Premiership Cup, it's worth saying, um, did you notice who made a return for Bristol? Ibitoya. Uh, no, sorry, not Bristol, Gloucester. Oh, um, the boy, the absolute boy. Jake Pelledri. Yes, he's got 20 tries. He scored a try. Good lad. He's back. He's playing rugby That's again. That's great news. That is, is genuinely great news. absolutely awesome. Really pleased about that. Yeah. Uh, actually, I will say this. I've really enjoyed the Prem Cup. Having a bit of midweek rugby, I love it. Yeah. Um, and if it has to be the Prem Cup, so be it. I watched the last game, Leicester-Northampton game yesterday. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. So, right, so let's wrap it up. We're done. Uh, thank you very much. <coughs> um, yeah, contact at gmail.com. Oh, you know the stuff. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. 